Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of June 11, 2023. Pre-registration for the ACB convention closes on Friday, June 16. So if you haven't registered yet, now is the time. Begin by logging in to your member account at members.acb.org. If you don't have a member account, you can set one up. However, don't wait until the 16th to try to log into your account. If you have a problem or if you don't have an account, it may take a day or two to get everything working correctly. It is important for you to pre-register because you saved money by doing so. If you need help with pre-registration or if you want to register by phone rather than online, call Janet Dickelman, ACB Convention Coordinator, at 651-428-5059. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its last roundabout before the ACB Convention break on Friday, June 16. This roundabout will be hybrid, with dinner at 5, activities at 6, and a program both in person and on Zoom from 7 to 9. We'll be sharing tips, tricks, and techniques for getting the most out of the ACB National Convention experience. There will be no roundabouts on June 23, June 30, and July 7. The next roundabout will be virtual on July 14 on the KCB Zoom line. The Zoom line number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. The next meeting of the Tri-State Library Users Book Club will be on Saturday, June 17, 2023 at 11 a.m. on the KCB Zoom line. The book on the agenda is Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. Published in 2022, this book tells the story of Marcellus, a giant octopus who is being held captive at a public aquarium. Told from his perspective, we learn how he formed a relationship with a human who discovered his amazing potential. Available from Bard in audio db 107924 and in Braille 24204. It takes 11 hours and 20 minutes to read, so you need to get started and have it done by the 17th. The monthly Tri-State Business Meeting will follow the book club. Tri-State Library Users is a chapter of both the Kentucky Council of the Blind and the Library Users of America. This announcement is for National Braille Press. NBP is excited to announce that they are moving their online store to Shopify. After working extensively with Shopify experts and testers, NBP is confident that the online shopping experience will be fully accessible and easier than ever. Please note that the old NBP online store will be retired very soon, and your existing NBP account will retire with it. If you have purchased any downloads, be sure to log in to nbp.org, navigate to the Accounts slash My Downloads page, and download and store all of your purchases. 
After the old store is retired, you will not have access to these downloads. Meanwhile, please take a look at our new store at shop.nbp.org. If you have questions, you can reach NBP by email at orders at nbp.org or call them at 617-266-6160 extension 520. At the Greater Louisville Roundabout last Friday evening, June 9, we shared our best and worst summer vacations and activities. In addition to talking about summer memories, we found ourselves discussing the different ways we as blind and visually impaired people experience our surroundings, the journey of having some vision to no vision, and other related topics. Many comments were quite thought-provoking, and Adam Rushaval has edited the discussion so we can share it with you on page 2. Listen to Soundprints each week on ACB Media 1, the mainstream channel. Our broadcast times are Sunday at 8 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., Tuesday 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., Wednesday 4 a.m. and 4 p.m., Thursday 10 p.m., and Friday 1 a.m., 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Listen on your Victor Reader stream or on the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the KCB information line by calling 773-572-6318. For more information about Soundprints and to request a free subscription on CD, playable on any standard CD player, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502 895 4598. Page 2. Thanks everybody for coming. And I um, hope everybody's been having a good day. Um, the weather sure has been nice the last couple of days. Not too hot. So um, glad everybody's here and hope you have a good weekend plan. Okay. Well, our topic tonight is to. We're going to share, ask you to share your uh, m- memories or, uh, I guess, impressions of the, the best and the worst places for vacations and summer activities, those kinds of things, the best and the worst. So, um, and it can be a vacation. <clears throat> It can be an activity somewhere. It doesn't have to be a big vacation where you left and were gone for two weeks. Uh, it can be an activity, a, a single thing that you did. It doesn't have to be a place that you, uh, that you would say, Oh, this is great. And you know, I've, I, I did there, but I went there, uh, you know, three times or whatever. It can it can be as big or small an activity as you would like to talk about. We're just we're talking about summertime fun, summertime things that we've done. So, uh, who would like to lead off? This is Bill Wright. I'll lead off. I just the 
Well, I, I don't know if it would have been the best. It probably was not the worst, but uh, 1977, uh, I went uh, to Baltimore. I was at the opening at the NIH of the RP uh, new building and new car that was the first year they'd had their own building for for RP and um, um, was up uh, for three days and um, I'll never forget it because that's when uh, Elvis passed away. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's me or not, but anyway. Okay. Well, I don't really remember any particular good or bad, but I just always like going home uh, from KSB for the summer and being with the family, and then I would always enjoy Bible school, um, that BBS, the um, vacation Bible school from church, and we would have it for a week. And, and one of the things I liked was that we worked on uh, art, uh, uh, art workshops and art uh, projects and stuff like that, and, and we would build houses and stuff out of uh, popsicle sticks and paste and stuff like that. And so I was, and then when I would get done and, and stuff like that, like I would I would peel the paste off my fingers while my mom was talking to somebody or something. But and then uh, I always enjoyed visiting my grandmother. And um, well, she lived in Orangeville too. But my cousins, well, three of my uh, my cousins, Gwen, Karen, and Lisa would come down and visit with her for about two weeks while their parents went to, to this place called Ridgecrest. And uh, and then my dad always took a vacation two weeks in the summer. And But then by the time all that was over then, I guess I was ready to come back to school. But, but anyway, I always enjoyed my summer vacations and stuff when, when I was a kid and teenager and stuff. Yeah. Thank you. This is Debbie, and I guess I'll go. Okay. Of course, everybody knows, or a lot of people know, that I'm a big Disney fan. And... um we uh, wanted to wait until my niece was old enough to remember Disney World. So I think it was in 2005 because I didn't go to the ACB convention. or No, it was maybe six or seven that I didn't go to the ACB convention that year because we were going to Disney. But um, And we didn't plan it this way, but happened to be in Disney World for my birthday. So that was really cool. Um walking into the Magic Kingdom and Mickey and Minnie saying happy birthday to me. And it was a cool week. We stayed on the property. Um, probably never get to do that again. Uh, but, uh, and you just went, you know, we went to the different parks and had different, uh, had some meals with some of the characters. Um, and um, so that was just really cool. And, of course, I like me because, being visually impaired, I got like one of the, I don't know how they do it now. They probably, I think they do it a lot differently now, but kind of like a fast pass so you could skip all the lines. And somebody's like, one day they're like, you do have the pass, don't you? I said, pass. <laughs> Am I supposed to have a pass? So <laughs> that was really did fun. We, did they have any um, special activities that were any kind 
for people, like when your birthday, when you had a birthday and you were there, was there anything that they did or that could be done? Um, I think they, they came over, I think, and they, I think they sang happy birthday to me. Um, I'm not, not a lot, I don't think. Um, and I didn't really, you know, ask either, but, um, you know, but, uh, they did kind of, um, they did sing happy birthday to me and, um, got Was a picture Dan of... Was Boone working at Disney then, baby? I don't think <laughs> so. <laughs> He was gone by then. This is Adam, and, and talking about Disney World, uh, a friend of mine uh, that I went to Murray uh, with, and uh, he and I went down to Disney World, and they had they had not been open that many years. When probably uh, we were down there in '74 or somewhere along in there, but. Um, we we got down there and, and they had the Space Mountain, which was their supposed to be their big roller coaster ride. And uh, so we went over to try to get on, and at first they didn't want to let me on because I was blind. And of course we kind of stood up for them, and then well, all right, we'll let you on, you know. And then when we got on, they didn't even check to see if we had fastened our seat belts or anything. Uh, of course, we went ahead and did it, but I mean, they, you know, once they, you know, it's just like, well, you're at your own risk or something. But we got on there and did it. And I'll tell you, I had been to Kings Island before. Um, back at, back then, they had the racers, which was were two roller coasters side by side, and they would go and and they were a really good roller coaster. And that Space Mountain didn't even compare to the Kings Island. Roller coaster. I mean, it was, you know, uh, you know, up and down. It just was not anywhere near as good as Kings Island. That's one thing I remember about that. Wow! Can I make you know, a comment about that? <laughs> yeah. Ready? Yep. Space Mountain. Well, uh, so for Christmas, a couple of years. Uh, Mike and I, mom took Mike and I down to my Aunt Marie's house, which she had, you know, she was a snowbird and she would go down to Florida. So we went down there for Christmas and Space Mountain is on the Greyhound bus 25 hours and with no air conditioning for a while. It was really um, miserable. Um, anyway, uh, but we get down there and we go to Space Mountain and my mom and Marie were sitting at a table and Mike and I, I don't know how many times we rode that thing, but it's indoors. So it doesn't go up as high or as exciting, except there's like no lights on. That's the, I mean, there's few lights in there, but not many. So it's, it's inside and in the dark. And I know that Mike and I went on that thing, I know, at least 20 times. We would come out. Um, finally, the guy let us ride it like three or four times because it really wasn't a line later in the afternoon. So we were gone for a little bit longer. But that was that was a fun time when we went down there. And we went to a place called Ybor City, which they had a... They would make um, cigars in Ybor City, and I remember the 
these older men sitting there and just rolling cigars. I couldn't imagine doing that all day, every day. But um, there was that. And wasn't there a glass place, glass blowing place? Yeah. In there, too. And that was really cool. And uh, this, this is Bill. Uh, Adam talking about the, uh, the racers uh, at Kings Island. Um, in 79 uh, was uh, they opened the the beast and the and um, the line was like two hours to get on the beast and the lines were real short for the racers and uh, rode the, the racer the, the two smaller ones uh, several times because everybody was standing in line to go to beast. I said, I'm not going to do that. Actually, uh, here in Louisville, back from the early 1900s to the mid-60s, there was a place called Fountain Ferry Park. Which was yeah, you can really park. mention that, and that roller coaster. Yeah, and I want to tell you, um, you know, the the racer, even though as good as it was, I could ride that thing without holding on to the bar, you know, in front of you. You know, I could just raise my hands and in the air and wave and stuff. But the one at, at Fountain Ferry, that thing, uh, it was a wooden roller coaster, which was kind of unusual. It wasn't, you know, the up-to-date modern one. And it it had drops in it. And, I mean, I could not ride that one without holding on. It, it was just too... You know, you felt like you were going to just drop out, you know, if, if you didn't hold on. So it, it was even better than the King's Island one. And coming up to convention, anybody got a convention story? I still think, and I don't know, Miss Debbie again, and I don't know if it was because my first convention or what. <laughs> oh. But my... But my favorite convention still has to be the 94 convention in Chicago. Oh, yes, ma'am. And they're having first all, a... First of all, it was it, just getting checked into the hotel. <laughs> yes. And, Debbie, they do have a taste of Chicago this this year at the Millennium Park, which used to be Grant Park, but we are not going. So. <laughs> I don't understand why, Betty. Emerald Lagasse will be there, and so will Bobby Filet. But I'm not going to throw down with either one of them. <laughs> yeah, Patty had this idea that we were going to go, she and I were going to go check it out and to see if we wanted to take anybody back. We discovered real quick that <laughs> we were not going back. Um, I, I wanted some Cubs, um, Chicago Cubs memorabilia, and we asked somebody, Oh, where this particular store? Oh, it's just a few blocks down. My foot a few blocks down. <laughs> and and we would go, we would walk through people. And I, when we got to a little bit of an opening where, you know, maybe five or six people could stand there together really close, I'd tell Debbie, breathe, we're going back in. <laughs> yeah, we were, we misbehaved quite a bit that, um, that convention. <laughs> Um, yeah, and uh, this this is Bill talking about conventions. I'll I'll never forget Pittsburgh because you you would go up 
you go up a set of steps, you go up, go up, ask the letter or so, and you didn't know he was going to be blocked in, and he was if he was going to end up where he wanted to be, because uh, uh, they was they was building or remodeling, uh, building uh, uh, the the convention center, and so uh, yeah. I got lost a couple times in Pittsburgh. They had that elevator that um, people be going up on the elevator, and the elevator gets stuck. And um, oh, it was that convention center was not finished, and that was an experience. Debbie Green, More- do you have any vacation or activity things that you've done? My favorite thing to do in the summer is to go to the beach. I'm a big ocean beach person. That's, that's the, I love that. And I like actually, you know, going out far enough where you can ride the waves in. <laughs> so I usually grab a boogie board and go out and do some, ride some waves. I have a, a beach story. When I was six years old, our family was going to go visit another family that was vacationing at the New Jersey shore. And they had five daughters. And so we, I was all excited about going to this to visit these people and, and seeing the ocean. And I couldn't go to sleep that the night before we left. And we were only going on a day trip. But I was so excited. I remember I couldn't get to sleep. And, I couldn't, and my mom came in my room. It was like midnight. And she said, you have to go to sleep. And then I had, and then I woke up at like six thirty in the morning, and it, I, I felt like I didn't have any sleep. But then we drove. We lived outside of Philadelphia at the time in Bucks County, and oh my, it was about a four, at least a four-hour drive from our house to where we went. So we rode and we rode. I thought we were never going to get there. You know, six-year-olds are not that excited about riding for a long time. We finally get there, and it's, it was sunny on the way there. Well, we get parked, we get there, and the clouds start moving in. So we get, get into the, our friend's house that they're renting and um, find out that they didn't pack my swimsuit. <gasps> I was like, oh, no. You know, and it turned out, well, they we were visiting this family with five girls, so they found a swimsuit for me to wear. Was, I didn't like it because it wasn't mine, but I wore right. it. We went down to the beach, and it's getting more and more cloudy. And they said, "Well, you know, we'll, we'll eat lunch later. We're going to go now to get you guys to the beach because it's going to rain." So we get down to the beach, and nobody tells me that there are waves in the ocean that are going to come in and go over you if you do something silly like sit down. So oh. I, went out, I went out into the water, oh, about oh, maybe halfway to my knees, and that was fun. And then we went out a little bit further, and I was about knee deep, and I thought, I'm going to sit down and play in the sand here. Oh, and no. All of a sudden, a big wave came in because it was getting stormy. It was going to rain soon, and this big, big wave came in and went over my head, and I came up sputtering, and, and of course, all these other girls laughed at me. 
Mm. But mm. I, I started crying. I had, I was, I had water. I was choking sure. on the water. Somebody was pounding me on the back. And then they all started laughing and saying, "You silly! Don't you know you don't sit in the ocean?" <laughs> so that didn't make money. And then it, I, when I tried to play in the water, we had to get out because it was. It, started to thunder and we had to go back to the house and that and then when we got in the house these sighted kids didn't want me to play their games they were playing something that involved fight you know some board game that they didn't want to adjust for me to play and i i didn't have that great a time on that trip to the ocean <laughs> i was glad to go yeah, home and get back in my own house have you yeah, ever been yeah. back since dev Oh, yes, I've been to, have you? Okay. I have good. been, and I've had good. good times. One of my best times at the ocean was when I went to the Oregon coast. I didn't go very far into the water because it was early June, and it was really cold. The water there is <laughs> freezing this time of year. And uh, But the beach was not very crowded, and it was wide open. There wasn't anything in the way. And my friend said, you can run out here. You can run as far and as fast as you want to. So I took off with my guide dog, and we ran. And she finally caught up to me and said, you've run about, you've gone about a mile. You might want to turn around. Wow. Right. <laughs> and we went back. I was so tired that night. We camped hmm. out, um, not on the beach, but in the woods nearby. It was fun. Really good time. That was when I was in my early 20s. And I always, I thought for a while, I thought that if you would just always, you know, have the waves at your back, you know. So when I would be coming in on the waves, I would walk out backwards, you know. So my waves, my back would be, I'd be walking backwards, you know, out into the water. And, and then I could really judge pretty easily when, you know, when it was going to be a good wave a good wave to ride on. Um, but, but, but when you do that, um, you, you can, you can get really disoriented because I, I just assumed that the waves were coming straight in, but often they're not They're They come in at an angle. And so when, when I thought I was going out you know, perpendicular to the shore, I, I usually wasn't. And then I would end up, you know, somebody was usually on the beach, you know, that could see. But the next thing I know, someone's yelling at me. You can also get sunburned so quickly out there in the in the ocean and with the salt water and stuff. And and if you haven't done it before or you haven't had any experience with it, you you really have no idea um, a that you are getting burned and how. And how much you will burn. You know, the other thing that was different uh, in in Florida was the way the the thunder, a thunderstorm sounded. Hmm. Um, how was that? Well, and I don't, I almost don't know how to explain it. And of course, it's been a long, long time. But um, you know, but in the north. I guess the best way I can say is that in, in, in Florida, it sounded more hollow. Okay. It, hmm. it sounded larger, higher up, is I guess the best way I could describe it. 
and it just seemed like everything came quicker. Um, you didn't, at least what you know, what we experienced, it, you didn't hear it as much when it was away from you. It was, it was right, uh, sort of on top of you before you realized it. But you know, um, when you know, thinking about that, the clouds look closer in Florida. Hmm. Really? They, when, yeah, because I mean, we've been down there. I've been to Florida many times, but when it rains, it's almost like, um, it's almost like you could stand on the golf house and touch them all. Hmm. But. Up here, when it rains, it didn't. It didn't even touch the top of the, um, the 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 airport tower. Even when it's really hmm. bad, you can see the airport tower, and that's about as tall. It's taller than what I guess you could say the the golf house is. And so, it just seems like all the clouds are closer down there. Well, that's how they sound. Yeah, and, and when when I was at the beach, when I've been at the beach, um, down there, and you see the clouds, and you look out at the at the ocean, it looks like they're just almost right on top of you. I want to tell you all something else about clouds. So, when I went to Gatlinburg, and you're going down 75, and you go up Jellicoe Mountain, as you're at the top. You are pretty high up. I forgot how much it was. But if you look to your right, you see clouds below you. It, it might be clear above you or the clouds might be, you know, normal above you. Yeah. But then look down off that mountain and see clouds. Well, I don't know a time that I have seen it clear. Um, the cloud, Some of the clouds are below us. And yeah. I've only seen like thin clouds except one time. And this one time there were these huge thick clouds that were, I mean, I felt like you could reach out and grab them, but I was afraid, you know, if you tried, you'd fall off the mountain. But <laughs> they were huge. They were like big cotton balls. Wow. Just yeah. Big and puffy. And then I've been to, um, Utah, and it seems like those clouds are just, I didn't go very high up in the mountains, but um, I've been up a little bit in the mountains, and those those out there just seem like these real dense, thick, puffy clouds. The ones in, the, the ones, you know, going to Tennessee aren't. Even though it was big and puffy, it wasn't as thick as the ones out there. Those are major thick clouds, but they weren't rain clouds. They're just bright white clouds. Yeah, people have described it that way when you're flying, too, that if it's a cloudy day down here on the Earth, you know, after you get to cruising altitude, it, it's funny because you you went up through all the clouds and you're above the clouds, you know. 
and sunsets and sunrises are beautiful when you're on a plane. Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely, they are. Sheldon? Um, yeah. Hi. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I got sidetracked there a while. You talk about summer memories, the younger days. Uh, of course, I grew up on the farm, and there wasn't many vacations back then. But when I got a little older in high school, instead of going to all the county fairs, Dad finally says we're taking a day off, and we're going to the state fair in Springfield. And so that was this real, really a big thing and a, and a special treat compared to just, you know, going to the county fairs around it. So <laughs> that was just, you know, probably a first real happy memory of doing something big, you know, compared to what we'd ever done before. Well, everything was bigger. They had more rides, and they had a double Ferris wheel, so it was a single Ferris wheel. And, of course, it was the best livestock in the state, you know, so we got to see all that. And and everything was just bigger and more of it, you know, more exhibits. And and you could kill the, I mean, you could spend the whole day and not do, you know, everything, you know. But it was a, a two-and-a-half-hour drive down, two-and-a-half-hour drive home. And we had to get up super, super, super early and do the chores before we left for the day. And, of course, then when we got home, we had to do them again. So it, but it was, yeah, I mean, them the things you remember, you know, from years back. Yeah. I always thought, uh, Eldon, about our state fair when I was young and, and they'd have uh, out here at the fairgrounds in Louisville and, and you know, the exhibit area were inside, you know, and they'd have hundreds of booths and so on. And one of my dreams was to take a grocery cart and just go by and pick up as many free handouts and brochures and everything as you could. You could get you know, just, just to see <laughs> what, what all you could collect, you know, without having to pay any money for it. And they they used to have all kinds of neat little handouts and everything, you know, uh, everything from nail files to uh, I don't know um, candles. And, you name it, candles and pens and pencils. And, yeah, yeah. The KEA Kentucky Education Association um, meetings and teachers take a bag. We would sometimes take a shopping bag and prepare to just fill it up with all the freebies you could manage to get. <laughs> And the fair would about be on a grander scale. You might take two or three bags to fill up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing about the state fair, the one thing about the state fair really got my attention. They had one of them great big humongous slides that you had to sit on a burlap bag to go down. Boy, oh, yeah. I've never been on such a slide in my life, man. That was, <laughs> yeah, that that was, was a very fun. Fun. This is Bill, and Eldon was talking about, you know, the, the two-hour the two ride of, you know, when I was, I grew up in Eastern Kentucky, and we used to go to the Virginia State Fair. It was always the first weekend, and you know, the first weekend in August before school started and everything. And that was the only thing I hated about going was was because you know you you was looking at a three-hour ride each each direction, and that is no fun at the back of the pickup. Well, they had yeah. them double Ferris wheels, and the most fun was when you was on top and they were loading the, the bottom wheel and you was just up yeah. top going around and around. You was way up there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the best part of the whole thing. That was one thing that was real surprising to me after I lost my sight. And um, I, I, of course, didn't really like heights. 
uh, like most people don't, but I, I would ride him. But I would, you know, be scared when you get up high. But after I was, when I couldn't see, I realized that that was just also very visual. <laughs> and I really didn't have a good yep. sense of how high up I was. Um, and so it really kind of lost its kick for me. <laughs> but the one thing I realized that I could tell was that the voices of the people on the ground mm-hmm. were got very You could safe. hear it. And yeah. And and I thought, man, mm-hmm. I, I'm we're pretty far up in the air because I can barely hear the voices. And it's funny, uh, because I've talked to people that have gone on hot air balloon rides and you might be two two hundred feet up and uh people would say you know, of course, when you're up in the air like that, it's very quiet when the burners are not going uh, right, to keep right. the hot air going. And it'd be very quiet, but you, they said you could really hear things on the ground, like a, if a dog barked or uh, people talking and you you know you were that high, how clear sounds were from the ground. We tried several years in a row at the alumni um, when we were having it in June over at KSB. We never were able to get to get it going because um, they'd bring the balloon and stuff, but then the winds would not be, it, it's really tricky right. to for the winds to be okay. And then at the ACB convention a couple times, they had, um, they had balloon ride schedule. And I know I bought a ticket for one. We were supposed to get up at four and be in the lobby at 4 a.m. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it got rained out. I think that was in Minneapolis. I think they did it another time too. It just seems like the time has never worked yeah. out. They, you know, they it, uh, it take might be calm on the ground. Small balloons and, and put fill them up with helium, and then they release them, and they they float up, of course, and then uh, they can tell, you know, which direction the wind's blowing and and how hard, you know, from watching oh, wow. small balloons. But, yeah. you know, and those are just toy-sized balloons that they use for testing. Years ago, when the um, when the the you know some of the derby activities were really different, you could go out to the fairgrounds um, on the morning of the balloon race and be out there and uh, you know stand around while they were getting balloons ready to to fly in the balloon race, and wow. they'd have the balloons spread out on the ground and. Uh, you could choose the one you wanted to kind of, you know, the, be around and cheer for and <laughs> stuff like that and be there when it took off. Now, they don't let anybody close to them anymore. That kind of changed. I think that was after 9-11 that they um, oh. wouldn't mm. let people get get that close to the balloons. Yeah. And I thought it was funny this year at the uh, Derby Balloon Race, uh, they had it in the uh, winner won, they, they drop a, a, a small bag of grass seed down near the target on the ground. And that the hair balloon, the first balloon, you know, sets the target. And then the balloons that follow have these little grass bags and they throw them down. And the uh, winner of the uh, balloon race this year won by one half of an inch. And that uh, means when, when they drop their bag, their their little bag of bluegrass, that it landed that close 
to the hair balloon. Or, or no, or it was a half an inch closer than the than the second place one. It could have been oh, five yeah. feet away, but you know, but yeah, but the second wow. Place. Oh, okay. Now, and I don't know who did the measuring. Right? There must have been a blade of grass between the two or something. I, I don't know how they could have been that precise. <laughs> when you're dropping a, a, bag, a small bag of grass from, you know, 30 feet up or 50, whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's not, but but then they almost it boggled my mind. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they had an uh, auto race, you know, major race uh, somewhere. And and the winner won by uh, what was it, sixty three megaseconds or something. Yeah, the, oh wow! You just can't even fathom that, can you? You know how you can you measure comp- that? You know, and in in line with that, though, uh, uh, Cecil Cox uh, tell me that uh, uh, he heard a couple of guys listening to a baseball game and. And they were talking about uh, one time a player was thrown out of a game because he was complaining to the umpires. And the guy said, well, where where should I go? And the, guy, the umpire said, look, I don't care where you go as long as I don't have to see you. So the player walked to the home plate and stood there. <laughs> I want to tell one more experience of the, uh, about skiing. I, we mentioned this when we were planning it, and that was that was probably one of the – one of the most fun vacations. It was winter vacation. It was in northern northern Pennsylvania in the mountains up there, and it was an organization called Ski for Light. And um, you were assigned a sighted person that that they weren't they didn't you weren't touching them, but they would. It was cross country skiing, so there was a few hills, but not not downhill like you think. And and it was it was just really a lot of fun. I, I didn't think it would be that much fun, but and then and then we did tubing where they had the big inner tubes that you sat in, and again you were in the tube by yourself, but there was another person within sight, you know, that you could talk to if you yell to if you needed to. But it was it was um you know, it was going down a snow covered hill, and there was um the, you know they assured me there's no way you could get hurt. <laughs> And, and, and it was it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun, but uh, I, I like I like adventures and stuff like that. But yeah, I want to make sure I'm not going to get killed in the process. Too, so. In high school, and that was it. Yeah. We went to Paoli Peaks, and I remember. Yeah, well, that wouldn't count. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I remember they showed me. I fell down, and they showed me on TV right falling down on the bottom of the hill. <laughs> Way to go, Debbie. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'll tell one more, I guess. Um, And it was when we, my brother and his wife were living over in London at the time, and we went over there for a week or so. And um, I think that might have been the year after we did the Disney thing. But um, And um, we were doing all the touristy things and, we were um, outside of um, where they have can't uh, I can't remember the, the uh, place that it's um, but it's where they keep the the crown jewels and um, all that you know. Did you try to steal the crown jewels? 
No, I did not try to steal them. <laughs> oh, but she we were. She had tried to borrow them. Well, yeah. Well, close. Um, I um, we were out there, and this this guy, came, you know, of course, I had McCain, so this big beef eater, you know, they're dressed up in costume, and so this big guy that's dressed up as a beef eater, he's talking to my dad, and he's like, came up to me, and he's like, "Would you like to come with me?" And see something. And so, of course, I said, yeah. And, of course, so here I go off. You know, and, of course, my dad, they tried to go with me, and it didn't work. And, wow. of course, this, this was the, you know, before the iPhones and cameras. And because yeah. I came back, and they're like, well, did you get a picture? And, of course, I had nothing to take a picture, you know, with, you know. And right. um, and so, but, yeah, I got to, I got to look at the... Um, the replica of the crown jewels and they took it out and I got to, you know, touch it and everything. And wow. it, it was really cool. And but yeah. they were all envious because here I go off with this beef eater and they're like, <laughs> they're like, we'll be back. Were you the person that got to do something like that? Um, somebody, when they went to uh, Ford theater in Washington, DC. Yeah. Um, we, uh, they, um, they let me um, go back. They let me um, go back in this. My, I think my uncle Larry uh, had a hand in that, um, and uh, they let me go in this area where uh, pe- normal people, you know, side people don't get to go and get to see it. You know, kind of yeah, <laughs> people. <laughs> I mean, they still had it roped off and stuff, but yeah. you know, got got a uh, in person, you know, an up close look at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We sometimes got to do things like that um, when we would go to look for tours for the ACB convention, and okay. when they we prob- they probably still we- get to do some of that now. Oh, I, oh, they do, they do. That's, that's one of the good things about helping to go pick out tours. Um, but, and, and you don't get to take a complete tour. Uh, it's, it's never like you get to do the whole thing, but sometimes you get to do parts of it. And, uh, when we went to Air Force Museum, we were looking for tours for the Columbus Convention in 2013. And even though I wasn't convention coordinator by then, I, I was, went, I, I went to that because, um, it was held at the time of the fall board meeting and I was treasurer, so I was there. And um, for some reason, I chose to go to the uh, the Air Force Museum. And I'm not sure. I think I don't know if the board meeting was underway at the time or not. But I, anyway, I was at Wright Patterson at the Air Force Museum, and um, but that was and it cool. was really neat because they, um, you know, they have a lot of things that you just can't t- touch. I mean, they're big. They're like the uh, planes. You know, some of the really old planes. Like mm, some of the biplanes yeah. and things like that. Well, they didn't have barriers to take down. And so they hadn't thought about how we were going to get back up to those planes. And so finally they said, oh, just climb over that, you know, just step <laughs> over it. Come on in. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we did. But it was interesting because as a blind person who, you know, I mean, I knew what a plane, obviously, I knew. 
how big a plane was when you go out and get on it. But a plane that you've not gotten into, you really don't have a perception of the difference in a little small plane and a big plane. And so we uh, we got to go touch like mm-hmm. some of the old, old biplanes and things. They said, now this is a little small plane. And I'm walking back along the wing and, you know, you keep walking back along the wing and I'm thinking, this is a Mom? pretty big thing, you know. <laughs> some of them were just, you know, that's a, that is, a, they have different planes that represent the different kinds of planes that were made. So mm. they weren't always like from the Air Force, but they might have been uh, very historical planes that they really wouldn't want people to touch. And we they let us back there to touch them. Um, but another thing that was that was very neat was at one point we got to touch some kind of I don't know what kind of plane it was, but it but it had missiles. It, you know, you could feel what the missiles felt like and how they're attached to the plane mm-hmm. and things. I mean, I had no concept of that, and you know, you'd think we would, but I can, I can guarantee no. you, whatever my concept was, it was not reality. That's one place I really wanted to get to, but I haven't got to it yet. But that's still on my list. They say it's huge, it's huge now. They say unbelievable how big it is. Oh, it is big, and and yeah. we um, we were really fortunate because um, you know when we when we went there, um, my son Mike was not stationed at Dayton at that time, but he had been at Dayton um, for oh a couple years, two or three years, whatever. And anyway, he knew somebody he could arrange that tour. And for us, and you know, at least get the conversation started about mm-hmm. our being able to check it out. So it it was a lot of fun. Oh. We didn't, by any means, be able to um, to you know to look at everything in the museum. And some of the stuff you just can't because it's all hanging from the ceiling. I had let me do one more thing, Carla. This is okay. This is. Only, only slightly related, but this had never happened to me before. A friend of a friend, little girl, was was hanging out with us the other day. She's eight. I'd never been around her, and she'd never been around a blind person. So she's real intrigued. You know, we were they rode to Tennessee. Um, you know, so I was in the back seat of the car with her for two hours, and you know, she was asking about Braille and. You know, she, we were playing a little guessing game, and, you know, we were kind of connecting. And at one point, she said, Miss Debbie, do you mind being blind? <laughs> and, and I was, I thought that was uh, really fascinating. And I'm trying to think what was going on in her little heart, you know. And and uh, and so I, I said, I said, no, I don't. I don't mind being blind. I said, because I have lots of friends. And people help me a lot, and I can see things by touching them, and um, and I have a wonderful life. And and no, I don't, I don't, I don't mind being blind. And she said, okay. <laughs> and it was it was just a, a a conversation I'd never had with anybody, and especially not a kid. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of like she was trying to figure out whether she should feel sorry for me or not. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, nothing to do with anything except interesting stories. So. This is Bill. I minded getting blind. 
I don't mind being blind, but I tell you one thing. Uh, you know, I have I have RP, and uh, I struggled, really struggled with getting blind. And I was a horrible person to be around while I was getting blind. Uh, some, someone might say I'm you know, crazy making that statement, but um, getting getting blind was ten times harder for me and being and being blind now. I've experienced a number of people who uh, somebody would say, "Well, if you could have your vision back right now." You know, would you would you um, choose would you choose to get your vision or would you choose to stay to stay blind? If that's your choice, you either get it all or you get nothing. And a lot of them have said they would they would choose the nothing because they've had so many you know good things happen to them or met so many people. If they had to give up everything that they had learned in the years, and of course those would be people that. Had it had been happening over the number of years to them, if they had to give up all the things that they uh, were able to learn and do and whatever as a blind person uh, in order to have their vision back, I know a number of people that have said no, they wouldn't want it back. And people said they'd have to learn to walk, they'd have to learn to read again and everything, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. identify people. Everything would be different. No, I, I wouldn't want to go back through all that. I'm, I'm, I just lay me the way I'm now. At least we can be blissfully ignorant, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that I have enjoyed to uh, what I've heard, and uh, it was very interesting uh, to hear all these different perspectives and things like that. Because uh, sometimes, even though you may have vision and everything, you don't see things the way someone who doesn't have vision. But it makes a lot of sense, you know, like the trip to Florida, the rain, and how the uh, lightning was so far away when we went and everything. I never thought of it that way, you know, and everything so... That gave me a complete picture. So I really enjoyed tonight. Thank you, guys. Sure. I did, too. Wait till you get to Schomburg, Astoria. <laughs> we You'll can't be, wait. I can't yeah. wait to hear what she thinks because her, her experience will be like, what did I do? What did I get myself into? <laughs> oh, she's going to be great. Okay, can't wait. Run into Restore, I want to run into you in that opening session. That'll be wonderful. <laughs> if you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.